I'm David Belson. And I'm Rachel Redan. And this is the Branding London Podcast. The first season is brought to you by Libro Credit Union, a group of epic humans focused on increasing prosperity in southwestern Ontario. They have just launched a new campaign, My Life Here, which fits the theme of this podcast quite nicely. To learn more, go to libro.ca slash mylifehere. This episode is with Kapil Lacoche, President and CEO of London Economic Development Corporation. I was excited to talk with Kapil about the broader economic landscape of London and uh, learn more about what LEDC does for our community. But before we begin, here's Rachel with the land acknowledgement. We would like to acknowledge the history of the traditional territory and honor the longstanding relationships of the three local First Nation groups of this land and place in southwestern Ontario. The Ottawandaran peoples once settled this region alongside the Algonquin and Haudenosaunee peoples and used this land as their traditional hunting grounds. The three long-standing Indigenous groups of this geographic region are the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, and the Lenni-Lenape peoples. I'd like to recognize the three First Nations communities neighboring the city of London, Chippewas of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, and Muncie Delaware Nation. We continue to honor the legacy of the space we're in by using the Roundhouse to tell stories, increase collaboration, and work with our clients to improve human lives. We believe that telling the stories of our fellow Londoners will help bring us together to solve problems. First question we ask is, is a really easy one. Uh, what's your name, position, and function? Sure. So it's Kapil Lakotia. I'm the president of London Economic Development Corporation. Great. And uh, from a functional standpoint, uh, we are the uh, primary economic development uh, delivery uh, agency for the city of London. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, I know what LADC does, mm-hmm. but for somebody um, who isn't familiar with uh, what you guys do, can you give me a 60-second sure. pitch on what LADC does for our community? So, you know, it's uh, that typical kindergarten question, uh, what do you want to do when you grow up? Mm-hmm. And uh, that question never ended with economic developer. <laughs> so it's a relatively lesser known occupation. Uh-huh. Uh, even uh, after finishing uh, grad school uh, in uh, Waterloo, uh, most of the uh, class wasn't aware this uh, occupation even exists. So um, in most communities, there is an economic development function. This is not uh, unique to Canada or Ontario. This is uh, really across the globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do in London is uh, through LEDC, we work to attract new uh, international investments. We help our local London uh, companies grow and expand. We help support an entrepreneurial environment. Uh, we create uh, uh, the conditions for talent attraction and uh, retention, as well as promote London for all of these purposes. Now, this is not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, mm-hmm. In order to achieve these uh, uh, these goals, we have to be strategic in which areas we focus our attention on, uh, really to get the most bang for buck uh, yep. for the resources that are dedicated for these activities. So what uh, what are those focuses that you have? So we start by uh, narrowing down what sectors we would uh, look at to do all of these activities. And so uh, they tend to be the primary economic development drivers mm-hmm. of the uh, community. And really those drivers can be different in every community. Um, uh, it's, it's based on the infrastructure, the assets, the talent, and mm-hmm. really the value proposition that the community has to offer. So in London, uh, there are five sectors we look at through LEDC. The advanced manufacturing sector, which is somewhat self-explanatory, mm-hmm. includes defense, aviation, and uh, um, auto parts manufacturing and so on. Food and beverage processing is another one. Mm-hmm. It's a really growing side of our economy, as you know. Yep. Uh, digital creative is our terminology for the technology sector. Mm-hmm. And really why we focus on digital creative is because uh, 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 there are many communities that boast of a technology uh, sector, but in London, it's the collision of the uh, uh, arts, entertainment, the digital media, the animation, mm-hmm. and as well as the traditional software uh, component that makes up for a healthy cluster of 300 companies uh, in the digital creative uh, sector. And uh, health and life sciences, of course, we've had a historic strength in, as well as professional services. Okay, and professional services. This means professional services is a sort of a cluster of finance and insurance companies okay. that we have here, as well as uh, the the um, uh, back office operations, the contact centers, okay. and, uh, and that makes sense. Of operations. I just wasn't you know that is one. Uh, some of the the terms that we even explore have uh, a fairly broad definition. Yeah. We we'll get to innovation later, and I know that's <laughs> one of those ones that can mean so many different things yeah. to so many different people. So uh, I, you know, it, I had 
lawyers and accountants sort of in my definition and right. your definition is slightly different. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. And it is a rather broad definition for professional services. But when you look at uh, the makeup of our economy between education services, between finance and insurance, real estate, all of these sectors, there's a lot of employment in the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, professional services was our attempt to kind of cluster them together. Amazing. So like, um, you know, off the top of your head, uh, are all five of those sectors doing well in the city? Or are there some that are doing stronger than others or what yeah. are you seeing when you because i you know i'm obviously in the digital creative bubble mm-hmm. uh some other exposure to, to some food through some of my network but mm-hmm. you know i don't see those other three clusters yeah. uh, as as frequently in my day travels for sure and you know all of these sectors are somewhat cyclical they depend a lot on external factors whether it's uh uh, currency exchange rates, mm-hmm. whether it's NAFTA and uh, trade agreements overseas, uh, it could be availability of talent, it could be uh, supply chains and a host of other external factors. Um, our mandate is really to keep a healthy pipeline of investment projects. These are overseas investments as well as local retention growth prospects. Most of these files don't go from start to finish within one year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be lovely if they do, but that kind of <laughs> Predictability is not very common in this business. So in order for us to keep that healthy pipeline, we ensure that all of these sectors have a bunch of different projects underway throughout the year. Uh, Food and beverage is really uh, hot right now, for Mm -hmm. example. And it's hot on all of these verticals. We're attracting new overseas investments with companies such as Dr. Atker and Natra Mm -hmm. from uh, Spain and uh, Germany. We're helping so many local companies grow, as well as we are seeing a flurry of activity on the entrepreneurial side. There are new microbreweries starting yeah. up. There's uh, artisanal uh, food uh, products companies uh, like uh, um, Nuts for Cheese that yep. are uh, growing significantly. Uh, so that's that's an attractive side of the economy right now. We're seeing a lot of growth in digital creative, as you mm-hmm. noted earlier. Uh, so there's different p- uh, parts of this cluster that are uh, evolving. Is that normal for a city to have the, the diversity? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I compare and contrast us in both positive and negative ways sometimes to Waterloo. And obviously Waterloo mm-hmm. probably has manufacturing. It probably has. Mm-hmm but it's known for software. Um, Are we unique in the sense that we have sort of those five industries that are all firing on positive cylinders Mm -hmm. most of the time? Again, we go through these cycles Mm -hmm. uh, versus one or two dominant industries. Is that a unique thing to London or is that common in most cities? It's not common and it's certainly not common by design. So if you look at Ontario, for example, there are communities like Waterloo that have a higher uh, presence in technology mm-hmm. and their relative share in manufacturing would be would be different than London's. Uh, you have Windsor that have historically have had a much higher um, uh, reliance on manufacturing sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamilton had, uh, for the longest time, a higher reliance on manufacturing, specifically tied to the steel industry there and so right. on. Uh, London seems to have a much more balance. If you look at the employment pie chart for uh, the London region, uh, the pie chart is fairly well split between manufacturing, between uh, these finance and insurance industries, between educational services. I mean, educational services is an interesting component because many of our other peer communities also have universities and colleges mm-hmm. too. So just that element is not unique. However, the proportionate employment relative to the larger base is pretty unique in London. Uh, education services employs uh, close to 10% of our uh, uh, labor force. Is that How would that compare and contrast to a Hamilton or a Waterloo? Um, Hamilton, uh, because the baseline... You don't know the number is, off your top of your head, that's fine, but I'm just curious. It's uh, slightly lower, and it's uh, only because their population and labor force is uh, much higher than okay. ours as well. So then I guess, um, again question would be is that a is that a strength or a weakness that we have this diversity and and i'm actually okay with the answer of both as long yeah. as you explore both sides <laughs> of the answer uh, i feel it's a strength and uh, the reason why uh, uh, i picked that answer is because uh, we're in a better situation to withstand economic ups and downs mm-hmm. so i'll relate to some recent examples after the 2008 uh, recession there was a really um a sharp um drawback in manufacturing mm-hmm. Communities that had a higher reliance in manufacturing saw a very significant increase in their unemployment rate. Because not only is the um, employment tied to manufacturing, there's a major spin-off effect yeah, as a result huge. of that too. You have logistics, transportation, packaging, uh, even retail industries, services, uh, services. Coffee, coffee shops. Exactly. They're all impacted by that. Uh, so if you've got a more resilient base of industry that can withstand economic ups and downs, you know, a lot of this public sector employment, whether it's in healthcare or educational services, services tends to be a lot more stable mm-hmm. 
they're reliant on longer term government contracts and so on. Even within the manufacturing sector, London has had a much healthier mix between food processing, automotive, defense and aviation. Oh, yeah, interesting. I thought of that. So, yeah. yeah. And you, if you look at the history of defense and aviation, for instance, there's been ups and downs there as well. Uh, Thanks to the recession, again, the demand yep. for airplanes uh, dropped significantly, but it's now picking back up. Uh, but in the meantime, we had food and beverage. We had other industries we could also leverage. Neat. You know, it's, it's something you don't you know, think about, um, you know, because uh, some of the times I would say in the digital creative cluster, I don't want to speak for uh, all of my peers, but I do think there's a, we look at Waterloo with some form of envy. Yeah. Because uh, we have this perception that it's easier to recruit and retain talent if you're a technology company. I think we have other assets in the city, and that's what I'm trying to explore. Um, for the broader region, the fact that we have a diversity is a strength. But for if you're in that individual cluster, it might be perceived as a, an overall negative because it is harder from a recruitment and retention perspective. So, And, you know, this is the number one reason why we rebranded technology to digital creative. Mm -hmm. Because when we used to have a, a conversation about London's tech cluster, the second point in that conversation become, yeah, but let's look at Waterloo. Yeah. <laughs> right? You couldn't get past point two. Yep. You couldn't have a conversation about great London companies that are doing wonderful things because you're automatically being compared to Waterloo. So in order to change that uh, conversation, we had to come up with digital creative because now the conversation is more about the 300 companies that we have in that cluster and less about drawing comparisons to Waterloo. Great. Next question, sort of jump track a little bit, but you mentioned you went to school in Waterloo, mm -hmm. speaking of Waterloo. Uh, how do we win that competition and get Kapil to, to move here? Why are you here? Okay, so, uh, well, it was certainly not because of our great weather in London, <laughs> Ontario, I'll tell you that, uh, as we're in the middle of uh, the spring. Fourth winter. Yes. Yep. Uh, uh, so I've lived in uh, many different parts of the world. I've lived in Waterloo, uh, Ottawa, uh, Toronto, um, New Delhi. Mm -hmm. um, for me, London has uh, has been a very interesting place to come back home to. I travel all over uh, the world, really been to uh, many different places that have been exciting. But London, to me, has uh, a very interesting mix of all the larger center amenities uh, that one would want or need. And uh, this includes... You know, this could mean different things to different people. So you have a mix of cultural, recreational, arts, entertainment, sports, uh, shopping for mm -hmm. some. Uh, so there's no pre-qualification on amenities. It means different things to different people. But London has that healthy mix of a bunch of these different things. But without the pains that go with large urban centers, so mm -hmm. gridlock, safety, affordability concerns, all of that stuff that uh, that are, you know, not so ideal for large mm -hmm. centers. So why do I live here is because of that uh, combination. For me, it was the optimal work-life balance uh, situation where you're getting best of the both, both uh, scenarios. Awesome. Which yeah, kind of aligns, I think, with some of the messaging that the uh, LADC puts out. <laughs> so you're uh, you're speaking from the yeah, we like the to engagement uh, there. <laughs> we like to practice <laughs> what we preach. Exactly. Um, what do you think this area does better than anyone else? Yeah. So you know, I really had to dig deep for that uh, question. Mm. This was a very good question. Um, and I have both the professional and personal bias on answering this question. So from my personal experiences and observations, I feel London exemplifies Canadian values better than many other places. Mm -hmm. And I'll qualify that. I've experienced this myself. And I've also uh, seen this with other um, uh, members of our community where Londoners tend to form a safety net around newcomers, around new entrepreneurs, around new people with ideas they want to pursue, period. Mm -hmm. I don't find that support network, that safety net, if you will, uh, to be that substantial in uh, many other peer uh, communities to London. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because many of our peer communities have grown in a way that has just been sporadic or in a fashion that's been uncontrolled. And mm -hmm. uh, because of that, those values have eroded, for lack of another word. Meanwhile, London, because we are so much further away from GTA and we are really a bit of an island in uh, southwestern Ontario, it's been in our DNA to have that support network, that safety net. And, uh, you know, it's been also referred to as a long runway. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard, heard that, that a few uh, times, yeah. right? Uh, and that, uh, that, from a business perspective, is an important thing to have in a community. If you have a longer runway, it allows for failure. It allows for, uh, you know, uh, optimization again of uh, of your business while maintaining a lower cost base. 
So I feel that's something that London does better than most other places. It's, uh, I would say I've heard similar themes to, to that, uh, you know, with a, a network where the one degree of separation, all sort of uh, getting together. I was doing some interviews with um, Tech Alliance members for Tech Week and uh, had a, a startup basically say the same thing, that the part that he loves about starting his business in London is how many people are actually willing to step up and help them mm-hmm. for no other interest than they just they want yeah. this to be a successful business in London and they're excited about his opportunity and excited about his product um, and he can pre- contrast that to some other communities um, where there's more of a what's in it for me angle when they're dealing with uh, with their ecosystem whereas London in his experience um, you know puts the value in first right mm-hmm. like we want to help you succeed. Because we know if we do that, we'll get something great back. You know, a company that's anchored here, uh, whereas other communities ask, seem to ask the what's in it for me first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that was a really prescient uh, point or really a powerful point in talking to that startup. Because well, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't been part of the, I haven't started up my company for a while. It's been around for 18 years. But uh, how much uh, the community around him wants his business to succeed was phenomenal. So you mentioned you had a personal and a business answer. So that was the personal one. What's the business um, one? Well, so the business one, uh, again, in the s- uh, spirit of practicing what we preach, <laughs> we since we belong to these entrepreneurship support networks and the work that we do, yeah, we're the primary economic development uh, agency for the city by our mandate. But inherently, this is now in our DNA where even uh, companies that don't fall within our general mandate are still seeing the support because we have become that embodiment Mm -hmm. uh, of those values and uh, all of our staff whether they're business developers or not provide that supporting uh, environment to help companies get from point a to point b Uh, and for the most part not because it's our job Mm -hmm. uh, because as londoners we feel that vibe all around us too do you think uh, how long have you been in the role at ladc now it's been a few Uh, years a few years i want to say four 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 to five time flies when you're having fun oh no i actually i'm (laughs) I'm surprised to hear that long, but for similar reasons. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hard to even contemplate that much time going past. But anyway, uh, you know, you, you, you said a word, uh, their vibrancy or the, the vitality that's within that community. Have you seen a shift? I mean, obviously you would have taken over, you know, with the recession rebounds, mm-hmm. of, you know, that period just sort of coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so controlling for that, you know, obviously we, we should expect a, an economic rebound. Are you seeing a different vibrancy to the tone of, of the city? Absolutely. Um, it comes in many different ways and uh, forms. You know, food processing, let's let's pick at that first. Traditionally, it, it was about big corporations we have to go pitch to, mm-hmm. we have to assist because really those are the larger employers and whatnot. And uh, the shift there has been with a wave of new microbreweries with uh, these artisanal companies. Uh, and the supports that they need are very different than the supports that uh, larger players Dr. need. Rucker. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so, and not to say that we've abandoned uh, that side of the equation at all. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's just trying to add new supports for a changing or evolving uh, landscape. So we're still very active in industrial land development mm-hmm. to cater to some of those larger companies. And we're having success there. But at the same time, we're also looking at partnerships throughout the community that make it easier for small businesses in the food and beverage space to access uh, uh, kitchens, to access uh, talent from uh, Fanshawe and Western and Brescia and so on. Uh, so there are different supports that are being deployed there. Um, that's one specific example. Entrepreneurship in general has evolved quite a fair bit mm-hmm. where we're looking at uh, better access to capital channels, mentorship networks. Uh, yep. This recent uh, partnership with the Roundhouse Accelerator yep. is in keeping with that spirit. So I think we, we are demonstrating that uh, we are being nimble as the market around us is uh, is expecting different things. I think you know one of the criticisms, if I can be fair, of LEDC over the years um, has been that concept of, you know, it's just buffalo hunting is kind of <laughs> yeah. big yeah. things. Um, and I would say that our ecosystem, not just LEDC, but uh, there's the employee, uh, ESN Employment Sector mm-hmm. Network, yeah. um, just launched a, a website in the London Can Initiative, uh, findyouranswers.biz mm-hmm. is the website mm-hmm. for that. So there's a, 
um, a desire within even these these pockets or what were previously siloed organizations to say, hey, we want to um, we want to get together and support the spirit of entrepreneurship. I, I'm going to quote a number, and you may have the more accurate number, but I think it's something like 85 to 90 percent of the employment in the region is in the small media yep. business yep, that's, sector. That's right. So looking at um, how we can grow mm -hmm. that part uh, makes sense to me under an economic development yep. lens, and I've seen a shift. I think. Yeah. To that. Is that a fair? No, that's very fair. Um, uh, so the the behind the scenes um, details on, on that argument is such that the relationship with the city and the LEDC uh, is determined through this purchase of service uh, agreement. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the city uh, has asked us to in the past to uh, do a lot of this smokestack chasing or yeah. buffalo hunting if you will and for good reason yeah. of course they bring um, a lot of jobs in the ancillary i think what is it one job one manufacturing job brings five other yeah, ancillary exactly, jobs or something exactly. like that you got so it makes sense if you yeah. can get a thousand jobs that's actually five thousand jobs and if you uh, drive around the veterans memorial parkway area or the uh, highbury and 401 area you see a ton of this uh, mm -hmm. playing out we've had over uh, since 2001, we've had uh, several industrial park uh, developments, and these are mega million uh, projects. The city has uh, acquired lands, serviced them, sold them to large users like this. And uh, I think the number uh, in terms of just the direct jobs uh, in these industrial parks is well over six or 7,000 people. Yeah. And then the spinoffs through logistics, suppliers, service providers, all of that stuff is very uh, healthy in the community. I think what's happened over the last little bit is uh, again, not a move away necessarily, but to enhance the grassroots activities with the entrepreneurship efforts that you described, as well as that small and medium-sized support. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll give you a very specific example. Uh, LEDC was the first agency in uh, really all of Canada, but certainly in Ontario, to have a workforce development focus. Mm -hmm. It's still not very common for economic development uh, officers to have workforce development. Now, what does that actually mean? Uh, it's evolved to the point now where we're offering assistance to small companies that may not have in-house HR expertise mm -hmm. to be able to give them easy templated solutions to get them through a uh, immediate hurdle or a hiring cycle to equip them with better tools so they're able to retain and recruit uh, appropriately. Uh, is that a long-term solution? Probably not, but uh, at least it gets us through the first hump. And I think in the long term, we have to look as a community to attract uh, workforce from external markets, whether mm -hmm. it's Toronto or overseas, uh, because for London to keep growing and uh, for the businesses here to keep having access to the talent they need, we certainly need a large increase in our uh, labor force. Right. So then uh, sort of the next question, um, what does innovation mean to you? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I, we just had Adam uh, on the, the interview previous and you mentioned that uh, you have a commentary about being a loaded word so <laughs> yeah that's perfect. why it's okay. a great uh, so okay. that, that premise has been set but Actually, tell me what it means Excellent. to you uh it's also good to be consistent so i didn't say something <laughs> different to adam uh so yeah i was my opening line here would have been innovation because of the buzzword that it's become we almost need to innovate the definition of okay. innovation <laughs> which like is it. different than what i said to adam yeah. <laughs> i like it <laughs> so uh Innovation in a classic sense is uh, improvising on an existing uh, practice, product, idea, whatever the case might be. In, in my world, in economic development, delivery, or community building, however you wanted to define that, uh, innovation starts with having that healthy diversity of the economy. Mm -hmm. um, and within that diversity, we can look at each industry sector and uh, help it diversify even further. You know, you look at advanced manufacturing. Um, 20 years ago, it might have been automotive parts mm -hmm. because we, we are getting Chrysler suppliers and this, that, and the other stuff. But fast forward to today's date, innovation in advanced manufacturing now means Industry 4.0, mm -hmm. smart robots, collaborative workspaces. From an infrastructure standpoint, the responsibility we have now is to equip industrial parks with high-speed internet, with mm -hmm. fiber optics for that data connectivity that head offices are expecting. So if we are now working with a German company, they expect to control their plant floor automation from Germany. That's <laughs> yeah. industry four. That makes sense. Yeah, right? I hadn't thought of the you know right. obviously the infrastructure that needs to go to the plant. I mean, again, I, I heard uh, Taylor Ablett from Dipley talk 
yesterday and he was talking about like way back in 2013 <laughs> so you know he's talking about some of the technology innovations uh on facebook and, and social media and in his world 2013 is the stone age of when uh you know his innovation cycle uh happened so even as we talk as we talk about innovation uh it's almost in certain industries and i i don't even know that there's an industry that this is is not true is that it's a it's a persistent it's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a new thing it's an everyday thing companies have to yeah. show up in, in exactly right the japanese called it kaizen yeah. six sigma constant improvement lean they're all different uh, derivatives of innovation same, same thing, yeah. uh, you don't wake up one day and decide overnight i'm going to innovate <laughs> so either you've been innovating all along or you're obsolete right it's uh, it's one of those uh, constant evolutions that we are also uh, trying to embody uh, so we're not going from uh, that's why i keep saying we're not abandoning chasing those smokestacks because yeah. those smokestacks have also evolved we're not talking about advanced manufacturing operations that use an equivalent amount of technology uh, there are uh, a lot of uh, engineering components mm-hmm. that go into it so these have become uh, new uh, significantly different employers as well Uh, so that's where I would start the innovation conversation for the economic development conversation is do we have a healthy diversity in our employment mix that offers opportunities for a wide uh, variety of skills. Mm-hmm. You have production skills, you have engineering, you have STEM occupations, you have a bunch of different uh, key uh, skills within the community that need to find long-term sustainable opportunities. So then uh, you know, if, every innovation, if every organization has to innovate, how does LADC innovate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and as a government funded bureaucracy with <laughs> mandates and, you know, politicians and all that fun stuff. Yeah. To what degree, I guess even a fair question, to what degree can you even innovate? Sure. Actually, uh believe it or not, because of our setup uh, as an arms length uh, agency of the city, we we don't uh, have a direct we're not municipal employees, we have a purchase agreement. So we're held accountable through a private sector led board of directors that mm-hmm. guides our strategy and holds us accountable. Because of that structure, we're actually very nimble and are able to innovate constantly. It's that private sector-led board that helps us with strategic uh, plan development, helps us identify the uh, the areas that they're seeing as growing areas because they are uh, representing those industry sectors, whether it's manufacturing, technology, and so on. So I would say we've been very nimble and uh, and innovative all along. And here are, here are a few uh, examples that point to this. You know, uh, we talked about entrepreneurship at at length. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship again is a fairly big, broad uh, motherhood thing. Yep. What does that actually mean for us? So we we don't have business advisors on staff who are helping startups write their business plans or get uh, seed funding or yep. any of that stuff. Uh, so we, our mandate uh, is to help growth companies uh, scale up. So if there are companies that are well established already with revenues coming in with an established team of people working, but they now need to get into external markets to now get that next wave of growth in. Mm-hmm. So through our existing relationships in, let's say, Germany or uh, Japan or wherever that market might be, we are able to now deploy those resources for a different purpose. Instead of FDI, uh, now we're looking at helping our local company scale up. need to find FDI uh, or right yeah it's an economic development <laughs> term uh foreign direct investment there you go um so that's one small example of innovation i mentioned workforce development you know workforce development is that uh, again that big uh, umbrella that uh, embodies um, a job fairs mm-hmm. uh, london tech jobs has been uh, quite popular mm-hmm. recently where uh, it's it's become that portal that we are using externally to market open positions uh, in london's uh, tech community um it uh, it includes the hr supports for small and medium sized businesses none of that stuff was uh, happening um, i shouldn't say 2013 because that's still <laughs> relatively new in in my space but uh, not that long so i guess uh, for those that don't know that this program is relatively new the workforce development um, so if you're a small medium business that has hr <laughs> issues they can contact your office and get support because uh, i actually think you know as a startup my myself and having been through uh, you know you, you have good sales resources you have good operations resources mm-hmm. you have good finance you maybe have good leadership mm-hmm. hr tends to develop around the you know as a position the 30 40 mm-hmm. 50 
person mark. So if you're under that, it's very difficult to have somebody exactly. full time. So that's the need that you're trying to address. Absolutely, exactly. And in fact, we have uh, uh, the interesting situation in London is we're home to HR Downloads yeah. that uh, provides uh, a lot of these uh, products tools. and yep. uh, tools for small businesses. Uh, I think the next innovation, if you will, uh, within this uh, workforce development setup is more community oriented as as a group if a bunch of our employers uh, feel that we need to uh, collectively recruit in external markets then ledc will lead the charge and uh, create the conditions to have a london presence in major markets whether it's you know a toronto for mm -hmm. uh, attracting technology workers or a different market for a calgary uh, mm -hmm. maybe in the future you know i'm just picking random yeah, examples, yeah, yeah no, but, i get what you're uh, saying but that that could establish be a beachhead for london companies rather than london companies trying to do, trying to do it on their own yeah. Uh, next question is, where do you see innovation in our city? I think uh, uh, from a community standpoint, we have to, you know, even though we talk about collaboration, mm -hmm. collaboration needs to go to a different level if London is going to, first of all, I guess, let me back up a second. In order to be innovative, we have to set some uh, goals, some thresholds for when will we know if we have become innovative or mm -hmm. when we have reach that mark as a community mm -hmm. not for every agency because every agency through their strategic plans and mandates will be able to tell you what their goals are yep. but i feel that um big picture goal uh from a community standpoint um needs to be better defined mm -hmm. i guess and uh, i appreciate some of the efforts you are doing uh, through this branding exercise also <laughs> hopes yep. to achieve the same purpose i don't mean to replicate that message but uh what i mean is very simply put if we are the 11th largest city in all of canada do we want to be the eighth mm-hmm do we want to be the sixth? Do we want to be the tenth? But or the twentieth? Or the twentieth? <laughs> Either way, it's fine. I mean, from an economic development standpoint, it's maybe well, not. Yeah. But we want to be niche and, and lifestyle. Maybe that is a collective choice. I don't think very many people would advocate for the twentieth. Yeah. But you know, uh, I don't think many people want to move backwards in a competition. But exactly. Uh, but even having those conversations, what does it mean to be a, a city in in Ontario and in Canada? Is, is not a dialogue that happens often. Exactly. You know? so exactly. When you know, when I started this process, uh, I was actually I looked at a video of myself talking to, <laughs> to city council uh, four and a half years ago, saying there's a passion in the city, there's a vibrancy, there's a, um, and we need somebody to just ignite that spark and, and lead the community forward. Um, and then I, I don't think that's happened to mm -hmm. the degree that I think the potential is there. Um, but I'm still seeing the the vibrancy pockets yeah. in our arts and culture and our technology, digital creative, I guess to use your your language. Uh, those sectors are 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 still very vibrant. Um, but it's that I feel like that energy is being channeled out. Um, and I think if we can harness that energy, I don't know that we'll ever get pointed in all the same direction. Uh -huh. And I don't think any community has everyone fully in the same yeah. direction. But if we can start channeling that en energy towards a certain goal, I think For we sure. have a lot of really positive things going on in the city that that that's the piece that's missing yeah. for me and you know there's uh to that effect i feel it's too easy uh to dump the burden of creating that vision on city council yeah agreed. it needs to be a broader community-wide uh buy-in it in fact in my several times i wonder if it is even the responsibility of the city council or rests more in a grassroots level to the community my belief is it's probably it the answer is both um to the but to the extent that the municipal responsibilities or political is to encapsulate what's already there mm -hmm. and amplify it um so i think the reason i embarked on this adventure um i don't think i have the answer i have a theory um, i'm poking around that theory but is to actually get these narratives out in the community because somebody maybe smarter or <laughs> more cohesive than me can draw out yeah. that that's that narrative and say no this is what i think it should be or my hypothesis around this human innovation concept ends up proving to be true and people get really excited mm -hmm. about that either outcome is is fine for me i just want to have these stories told and the dialogue yeah. being told so that's you know we we share i think that motivation or understanding yeah. that maybe that's that's missing yeah absolutely i agree i mean uh city hall uh or any level of government is for that matter of fact has a role and responsibility to play for the most part in my view it comes in infrastructure development mm -hmm. it comes in you know in ensuring that that asset base is well equipped to help get to that uh, end goal but creating that vision of what that end goal m looks like that responsibility shouldn't be rested solely on on uh, any government as yep. for that matter of fact i mean i'd argue the same applies for the province the province and, and arguably federal as right. well i think 
through Federation, we've probably done a better job of casting out what our uh, collective identity is. I'd say Ontario struggles with similar yeah. problems um, in that I don't know. I, you know, if you were to ask me what it means to be somebody from Ontario, uh, I don't know that I would have a good answer mm. for that. Uh, I'd probably talk about the largest province right. in Canada, which is true. Right. Um, whereas when I lived in uh, Seattle, Washington, um, that city was very much branded on environmentalism mm. and, and embracing nature. And, and mm-hmm. obviously they had the technology boom out there with sure. Microsoft and Amazon and those guys when I was out um, out there in the late 90s. Um, but there was a there was a sense of identity of mm-hmm. Washington State uh, of Seattle proper mm-hmm. that I don't think we have in yeah. in London and we don't have in Ontario. Yeah, and you know historically, if you look at London's identity, I I know there was a point in our history where London was known as the entrepreneurship center, mm-hmm. where a lot of well known businesses and uh, individuals came out from London. Well, their names are <laughs> below. <Yeah. laughs> you wonder where the Ivies and the you yeah, know right. the, those folks came from. Those brand names that uh, we I think sometimes take for granted, even exactly. now that there's just they're such institutional names but the reason that they were able to be put on the side of building is because they were uh, massively innovative yeah. uh disruptive uh, you know in, the, in their time period mm-hmm. companies coming from here yeah um, exactly. one of the research partners uh at western uh assigned them and uh somewhere in the late 1900s uh, I always get my dates wrong, but towards the turn of the last century, London was actually the main economic hub mm-hmm. of this region, mm-hmm. and it slowly started shifting into to Toronto, Toronto. In, you yeah. know, 1910, you know, that kind of time frame. Um, and I don't know that our ego actually, it's kind of funny to think of an ego as a 100-year-old thing, yeah. but I do think there's an ego problem there. Even for those of us that landed in the city, we adopt that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to be better than we were. Um, you know, we used to be the economic you know the financial sector yeah. we used to be the leader in advanced manufacturing mm-hmm. and uh, we've lost that ability to talk about who we are mm-hmm. today uh you know I had, uh peter fragiscatos the mp on and asked him you know, what's great in london and his answer was great but it was like you know four minutes long about all the great things that are happening in the city like you know for uh, again branding guy you need that 30 second pitch and it's very hard for me to get the yeah, 30 second pitch sure. without going to uh you know i think what you guys promote Externally, is a lifestyle yeah. uh, component, but yeah. again, I think that um, is a byproduct. Yeah, it, we can't have a good lifestyle if we also don't have good employment and good meaningful work. So, what does Absolutely. that mean? For- and lifestyle is a bit of a loaded uh, description anyway. It means different things yeah, to different, different people. people. Absolutely. Uh, some people may even prefer a, a lower key lifestyle mm-hmm. in a much smaller place, maybe yep. a few hundred people. So it's different to different people. Yep. Uh, so that in itself is not a true separator or a value proposition that makes us stand apart. Do you think it's a problem that we don't have that identity? You know, because you, you guys obviously represent us on the, yeah. the international stage. To be honest, um, that's more of a perceived problem than an actual problem. Mm-hmm. Here's why I say that when we are representing London overseas, wow. it's not like we're uh, having a shotgun approach and we're preaching to 5,000 people from all, all walks of life. If we're pre- uh, preaching to a food processing company in Germany, the conversation is about why London is different for food processing and why mm-hmm. we would be a better place for Dr. Atker. Mm. And I can I can spend all day here talking about why that <laughs> might be the case. The same applies to manufacturing, mm-hmm. composites, whatever the case might be. So that question of identity uh, is is appropriate to have at a high level, at a macro level, where we're not talking about pitching for new investments or whatnot. It just might be a calling card, if you Mm -hmm. will, to get you through the front door or Mm -hmm. whatever the case might be. And uh, Waterloo rightfully has that that technology calling card. It's wonderful. Uh, But I'd ask the same thing. What's uh, what's, uh, Toronto's calling card? The financial capital of uh, Canada? Okay, Uh, that's that's true. Uh, But that's not the only urban center. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Sure. Are those in in themselves the calling cards? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, that's a good, you know, and I think I, I tend to compare and contrast us to the um, the, the same size of, of cities. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Toronto, would, I mean, they, uh, they're, I would say their argument would be we're Toronto. Uh, we don't need an identity. We don't need an identity because <laughs> yeah. Toronto is an identity, yeah. which would be probably fair. They yeah, are on the global stage. Is that, yeah. And I guess multiculturalism, I, when I think of Toronto, I think yeah. they're well represented on the international mm-hmm. stage as a very multicultural, vibrant city. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to do their branding work for them because yeah. we've got a big enough challenge here at home, but uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, when, when I think of branding, to be honest, the, uh, the one missing piece here is we don't have 
uh, common uh, collective uh, themes that bind the community. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, that's what's missing in London because we've got the whole diversity piece we talked about earlier mm-hmm. creates that imbalance where it's hard to come together for one common uh, brand. Yep. Um, so, and then, you know, I look at it from the lens of uh, what kind of community do we want to build? And I'm not going to drag you into the rapid transit debate because um, that's a hot button issue for somebody in your seat, I would imagine. <laughs> but I do have a belief that uh, if we had a vision for the city or a common brand story or what we wanted to become, some of those decisions become easier. And I use the BRT as an example. If we want to attract and retain our, our students, I hear that a lot in the tech mm-hmm. community. Uh, you know, how do we retain more Western grads? How do mm-hmm. we retain more Fanshawe grads in our city and get them gainful employment? Well, if we want them to stay, there's corresponding research that shows that millennials don't want to buy a yeah. car. Um, so that, in my theory, would be that that makes it an easier decision to support something like mm-hmm. a rapid transit system. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be contention, there's going to be argument in any large municipal project. Uh, similar to when you know Budweiser Gardens yeah. was coming downtown. Again, if you want to create a downtown that appeals to millennials and can attract the Junos at some point, like you have to build that infrastructure yeah. today. I don't yeah. think if that decision to have Bud Gardens was not downtown, um, it's a little bit of a counterfactual, but I think it's easy to say that we probably wouldn't be hosting the yeah. Junos in 2019 if that project didn't go forward or if that structure sure. was out on the, sure. the peripheral of the city. Yeah. So. No, you're right. I mean, uh, uh, I think it's it's well known that London's DNA is also very conservative, mm-hmm. uh, very risk averse. Um, so, you know, many of these uh, projects that you've uh, referred to do tend to have, uh, they require some degree of appetite for um, futuristic mm-hmm. thinking. So where does that, you know, the, the conservative, um, you know, the, the I guess I, I hear so many times um, in the city, I'm a fiscal conservative, in it, but a, a socially liberal minded person, um, which, you know, I've uh, said myself a few times um, in the there's a uh, there's a tension there that's really fascinating to me that um, you, you hear narratives about how everyone wants us to succeed and uh, as businesses and are very generous with their time and energy and resources. Mm-hmm. But then there's this the other side, which is this extreme <laughs> fiscal conservative right. are those things that are at odds are those is there is that a healthy tension do you think to have in in public debate or does it cause too much divisiveness from what you've seen well yeah that's a really interesting question um i think a certain degree of debate on those elements is certainly healthy agreed but at the end i think uh, there has to be a recognition that we need to move the community forward towards one common goal or purpose mm-hmm. uh, and in the absence of defining what that looks like and has we like you said we're never going to have 100% buy in on anything no. uh, but as long as there's a general recognition that we're moving in this direction and you get uh, as broad of a buy in as you can then at some point that debate needs to point to uh, or needs to stop to uh, in the interest of rowing in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and often I feel we don't get there uh, because uh, that debate creates divisiveness and uh, the whole uh, feeling of where are we heading mm-hmm. gets lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go back to the notion that it gets lost because we somehow tag the responsibility of navigating that uh, ship with select individuals or select agencies, Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of the sector, right? Municipal government is one thing. Um, LEDC gets tagged with uh, growing the economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, so after having explained what we do, how we do it, (laughs) we're not a one size fits all. No. Um, But, you know, it's hard to uh, explain or uh, it's hard to understand uh, that that, uh, for the majority of the um, uh, people who do create jobs in the city and every job is important. But from a focus standpoint, when we are saying we only focus on these areas, that means we're not focusing in some other areas mm-hmm. that, again, I'm not discounting the value or the importance. But from a resource deployment standpoint, we have to be careful. Mm-hmm. All that to say is we cannot be tagged with um, the with wearing the entire, uh, um, I guess, uh, economic hat for the region. Uh, broader than uh, just the city of London. In similar way, I I don't think it's appropriate to tag uh, any uh, uh, set of agencies with navigating what the brand needs to be for the Mm -hmm. entire community. I would agree. And I think um, politicians that speak honestly uh, address the fact that government can't create jobs without taxes. 
and most people who want more jobs in a community also don't want higher taxes. Yeah. So we, we kind of automatically set up uh, uh, the responsibility and accountability maybe in the wrong way there. Uh, but what they can do is provide the infrastructure and the connections and uh, you know that experience um, so that when yeah. people land a business here, that they're Absolutely. able to interface exactly. and things like yeah. that. And I think um, that's something, um, if more broadly understood, we might be able to, again, help uh, our agencies and help our community. Um, because I do think, I think it's a Canadian thing, maybe, that we tend to have a bunch of problems and then just sort of try to flop it off on the government and say, <laughs> yeah. here, fix this. And then right. we can just blame them when it doesn't work exactly. because it's easier to blame the, the problem uh, if you're not taking any accountability or have no uh, interest right. in the solution. So yeah. uh, it's easy for me to sit in my chair as, you know, David Wilson, president, and I guess I'm not president anymore, but CEO <laughs> of our traction and say, boy, you know, the recruitment retention problem in the city, that's really, uh, you know, Kapil, you, exactly. you let me down. I couldn't find the yeah, developers when right. I wanted to hire them um, <laughs> or Tech Alliance or wherever I want yeah. to put that blame. Right. But ultimately, this is probably I started this project is recognizing I probably haven't done enough to tell the story of, of this great city so that um, you guys have uh, case studies or you have examples or even just the energy and confidence to step in a room and say, no, London's a great community. It's one thing, you know, you ha you're paid to do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think you show up uh, in your role more authentically yeah. if you truly believe that there's a vibrant culture here. And you know that if you recruit a, a tech company or uh, you get somebody to relocate the job from Vancouver or Calgary or wherever yeah. it is, or New Delhi to come here in London that our brand yeah. matches that promise. To be honest with you, David, this is where passion comes in. Um, if you haven't already picked it up, I am pretty passionate about what we do. Mm. It's not just a job. When we're bringing in employers into the city, regardless of scale, they could be Dr. Rutgers or they could be a small entrepreneur. We're currently helping a small company move from Germany. It's just his family mm -hmm. and him moving here. We hold ourselves personally accountable for their success mm -hmm. in London, which means we will handhold. We have that concierge, that white glove, that wraparound service to ensure that they feel that support network goes back to my earlier comment. I felt it personally mm -hmm. growing up, even without this job, I felt people have gone out of their way to help when they didn't, didn't need to. Mm -hmm. It was not their job. But that's our DNA. Yeah. And I think through this job, uh, this is a perfect sort of a platform or a tool to deploy that DNA. What I'm trying to figure out with this process and we'll, um, the last question I actually give over to you is two parts. So I'll let you think about it. One, is there anything I should have asked you but didn't? And two is if, is if you have any questions for me. Um, but what I'm hoping to find out, and this is where Fanshawe is, is helping out with some research, um, is what caused that DNA? You know, I have a theory that, again, I, I work a lot in theories. <laughs> Because uh, I like to put something out there and then have it challenged because um, I think sometimes you get a better answer that way. But it's the, maybe the agrarian roots um, that it's, uh, you know, we have to come together because we're so isolated. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a snowstorm and we lose power in the 70s, you really do have to rely on your next door neighbor in a different way. Um, it's the same thing with building a, a company here in London. I've had to rely on so many different other companies or mentors or, yeah. or businesses to build my success um, that you just don't have the same uh, the same access to the same resources so it's isolated and you tend to lean on each other but i think that actually creates a, a better strength so i'm curious of, about poking around where that dna comes from my theory is a, a agrarian uh roots uh, in this region but that's just again a, a theory no so. i will support that and uh, just to build on that Comparing ourselves to the peer communities and why, like when I spent two years in Waterloo, I didn't feel the same. Mm -hmm. uh, great communities mm -hmm. are not looking to uh, to uh, criticize. Uh, no, they do London. great things. There's no question. Yeah. I feel uh, London, because of its geographic separation from uh, the GTH, mm -hmm. uh, has always or at least for the last foreseeable future since Toronto started growing the way it did, has always had to work harder to bring new investment to new to settle new people and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So that agrarian roots compounded with, well, we have to take care of the businesses, the people that are moving here, because in Toronto, it's a it's a bit of a melting pot, right? Mm -hmm. like they don't have to work necessarily to attract the, the companies or, or uh, the people. Uh, and there are pockets within Toronto that have evolved naturally to, uh, to uh, provide those ethnic supports, to have those communities uh, naturally binding together. 
it's the equivalent happening in London, mm-hmm. but for a longer time based on those agrarian roots, I would say. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I hope to poke away at that research. So again, open the floor to you. Anything I should have asked uh, or any questions you want to. Sure. So I do I don't think I have anything uh, uh, on the list of uh, you should have asked me, mm-hmm. but uh, here's one for you. Um, in keeping with the spirit of the earlier conversation, oftentimes we're left uh, figuring out the strategy for where the economy needs to go or mm-hmm. where should we focus on. And that's traditionally been the case uh, internally with, mm-hmm. through the board and through uh, through the civic conversation and whatnot. But I would encourage now in keeping with these grassroots initiatives to really uh, have more of an ongoing uh, evolving dialogue on providing that feedback, providing that uh, uh, that uh, fodder for hey, did you think about this? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is an area digital creative. We're constantly looking at uh, further diversifying the digital creative space, not just relying on the current uh, uh, roster of growing companies, mm-hmm. but screen-based industries, uh, music industries. Mm-hmm. What's coming now that we could uh, start uh, developing talent for? Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff we have to plant the seeds uh, with Fanshawe and Western now yeah. to be able to have graduates coming out in four or five years or so. So those are the elements where I'm looking to you, to other leaders in the community to provide us with some uh, guidance, some uh, some food for thought. I think for me, uh, two major trends. When you talk about interfacing with Western and Fanshawe, um, uh, figuring out how to get experiential learning in their hands. Uh, again, you heard me quote Taylor, you know, 2013 is not just like in the past, but that's like the ancient past. Yeah for them in that sector. So when we look at a, a three-year or four-year program at these schools, um, you know, and the curriculum was probably developed even two or three years mm-hmm. before, you know, that the people are receiving that material, you're, you're seven years, you know, potentially behind on what they're learning. Um, and in the in our sector, that's, you know, literally a generation. Um, so how do you embed learning? You know, Fanshawe has got a great co-op program western has the internships um but even bringing like hey, you know, i think Fanshawe has a five-year degree uh, review process yeah. and i've participated in that and they're amazing at listening to industry and adapting their feedback but it's almost by the time that loop has completed it, it's out of date so how do we help our uh, our educational institutions maybe embed or cross train or, or some mechanism getting them more involved mm-hmm. um the other thing is again my personal view um not uh you know representative corporate views or anything like that, uh, is that uh, with automation and AI coming, there's going to be uh, significant unemployment uh, as we traditionally define unemployment and that uh, machines or robots will be able to do a lot of the routine tasks. Mm-hmm. So I've looked at models, you know, anywhere from 40 to 60% uh, unemployment. Mm-hmm. When you look at logistics, when you look at uh you know, self-driving cars and mm-hmm. uh, self-driving trucks, but then you actually start breaking down, you know, that one job. So even if you lose 10% of your workforce right. is in logistics, that's, yeah. you know, that's where you get to the 60% really, yeah. that one job disappearing cascades yeah. into five. And there's only so much that the service mm-hmm. industry can absorb mm-hmm. um, in loss. Sure. So I think the next wave of the economy is actually um, in the, the creative components. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be the last thing. And if the robots get there, then I don't, <laughs> know what purpose humans solve but uh I, some of what we're doing today right uh creative storytelling how do you enhance the human uh experience through uh-huh. arts through culture through digital storytelling through um those types of activities that don't require our hands or even routine yeah. thinking processes yeah. that next level of hu- what we're really good at we've just spent so much time in, in the, the factories and in the pushing buttons on a spreadsheet and making macros, uh, which is all very important work to get us to where we are today. But I think if you look at the next generation mm-hmm. of workforce, it's it's going to be using that human spirit, that creative mm-hmm. spirit, that creative energy to solve different problems even. Then we can't even conceive what we'll be doing in five years. Uh, how do you align a workforce to that? I don't, I don't know. Uh, glad it's your problem, not mine. Uh, but I do think, you know, as soon as the self-driving cars, I think we'll have a little bit of delay in yeah. Canada because of weather and I know how software works. But uh, once the logistics sector gets mm-hmm. taken over by robots, once advanced manufacturing, AI, Internet of Things, so you don't need that engineer in London, Ontario. He's in the plant or she's in the plant in Germany. Uh, and can push a button and a robot goes over and fixes yeah. the thing. You know, what does that mean to the, yeah. those engineers that are here? Uh, it means that they get to use their brains in new and exciting yeah. ways. What's the what's the potential for that new and exciting way to use human energy? Yeah. It's exciting and terrifying at the same. Yeah, time. no, you're right. Uh, 
Yeah, Cybertron uh, uh, type scenarios <laughs> are, are certainly scary to envision. But, uh, uh, you know, yesterday uh, Tesla shut down the production of Model 3 yeah. uh, because uh, it was in Elon Musk's uh, own words, uh, humans uh, are underrated. They had over, um, they had created uh, too many robots within yep. that plant and not enough humans yeah. to, to uh, put it all together. So they couldn't uh, produce the cars at the quality that uh, was required. Uh, so certainly the human component isn't going away. I agree with you with the, even, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, we talk about industry 4.0 and uh, all of these um, enhancements in manufacturing. We've recovered uh, from the recession in terms of manufacturing, uh, employment and so on, but not nearly at the same level as we've had in the past. Mm -hmm. So on a net new basis, it's uh, yeah. we've had better times in manufacturing yeah. for employment. We are still attracting newer companies in manufacturing, but they're not hiring as many people as companies used to hire 20, yeah. 30 years ago. That's just a new baseline. That's the new reality. So I think the way we are, and I guess it speaks a little bit to the innovation as well, the way we are approaching newer companies now to set up shops here, jive with the type of talent uh, that's coming uh, from the institutions here too. Mm -hmm. So the, this is the talent pool that's uh, advanced as well to work in a more robotic environment with more technology preparation and things of that nature, right? So while it's going hand in glove at the moment, that significant um, curve is yet to come mm -hmm. where you know um, the factory floors will be uh, uh, to that level where humans are few and far between yeah, i think you know anytime you predict that in the future you're always wrong <laughs> but i think uh you know the the conversation comes up with brt sometimes too with self-driving cars and i you know i really think uh, the 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 flip will happen i think it will happen later than people think mm -hmm. for the same reasons i i don't think we give enough credit to the superhuman brains that right. we have so even the the massive computers that uh can beat a human in, in chess uh can't beat us in backgammon yet you know they're working on it and <laughs> yeah. maybe in within a, a spare they'll be able to make those jumps but mm -hmm. yeah okay you're better at me than chess mr computer but let's play backgammon yeah uh <laughs> right and uh, so you know we we lose sight of you know humans are great at adapting and um that's obviously our greatest mm -hmm. strength uh so in a, a plant floor where you have an unmet need uh human can adapt whereas a robot you may have to develop software for right. three years to right. solve that problem exactly. um but i do think you know that that trend that you're seeing at that factory for the same footprint that would employ 50 people is now 30 yeah it's going to be 25 it's going to be 10 um so yeah i you know, i'm glad it's your challenge <laughs> not mine but how do you prepare our workforce for a future and for me it's about creativity it's about uh unlocking mm -hmm. that potential uh but we don't know what that's going to look mm -hmm. like you know if, if 60 or 70 percent of us are, are employed as playwrights you know is that, is that sustainable <laughs> either uh, i don't know i think right. it'd be amazing that the content material that we could produce but um I don't know how the yeah. economics of that work, but yeah, that's, problem for another day. That's a problem. <laughs> for the, I guess I'll, I did have one more question that yeah. came up, and I forgot to ask. Um, we'll loop it back in. You mentioned your private sector board mm -hmm. uh, does your strategic planning mm -hmm. process. How far does that board look out? Is it a, a three-year plan? Is it a five-year plan? Is it ten? Like, yeah. how far are you looking out, and, and have you had to shift that lens because of how fast yeah. change happens? That's a great question. Um, so the current plan was three years. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're now into a new planning cycle. So the board brings uh, an interesting combination of uh, the accountability piece is always there, of course, from uh, yeah. because it's our requirement of the purchase agreement with the city. But because they are senior leaders within their industry setups, we have essentially the same conversation from a board standpoint that looks out to talk about how the talent development uh, uh, programming needs to be not just for immediate support but where do we want to be as a community we look at longer term trends from from that standpoint uh the the focus areas you know investment attraction from global markets that smokestack chaining mm -hmm. has uh, has uh, significantly reduced uh, to offset those resources in other areas like entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. stuff like that because that's the uh, that's the sentiment that was um, uh, clear at the board discussions as well so i would say the pragmatic uh, discussions are long term mm -hmm. 
that long term would be three years. No, no, uh, the three year is the sort of the tangible, uh, the, the tactical see. plan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the pragmatic conversations are more about uh, the visioning, the what do we want to be, and that's more like five to seven years mm-hmm. out. I would say there, it's hard to define that in timelines because it's that long term thinking. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've seen models that look at twenty five years, ten years, you know, five years, all considered long term. I yeah. was just curious, you yeah, know, when you guys are planning your cycle, how far out? Yeah, can you even look? Yeah, I would say for from from a uh, planning standpoint, so we can build uh, staff portfolios and everything. It's three to four years, mm-hmm. and from a long term visioning standpoint, it's uh, seven years or okay. so. Yeah. Awesome, give or take. Great. Oh, this is a good chat. Yeah, really. no. It's, I mean, uh, it's. I thank you first of all for the invitation, yeah. and uh, it was a good opportunity to have that authentic conversation. There are no notes in front of me. This was no, just a chat. And great. Well, I think it was the other thing, conversation. you know, there's. Um, I'm. I'm meeting with different aspects of different sectors: entrepreneurs, government, politicians. Uh, the good news is there really is a strong common thread about being proud of the city and civic pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if we can, you know, say like. These are the common things that held, hold our beliefs together as, as residents of the city. Uh, we're proud of the city. We, there's exciting things going on. We recognize, um, you know, we may have some differences of opinion about things like BRT or where to put sure. the JLC or whether or not we should. I'm sure there's people that hate the fact that we're hosting the Junos. <laughs> I'm not a country music fan, so the right. <laughs> country music awards were my cup of tea. I was happy for the city. But, you know, there's, there's going to be those differences on the fringe, but the mm-hmm. core is really uh and there's a there you know across political spectrums across beliefs there's a i'm finding that there is a core uh that people are really excited to be part of the city um so i'm i'm mm-hmm. thrilled that people like yourself will come and, oh, yeah. and talk about what it means to to be a london yeah man. no thanks for having me and look forward to continuing this dialogue all right yeah. great thank you thanks Bill. thanks David and I have put our time into recording the Branding London podcast because we love this city and, more importantly, the people in it. Our Traction decided to produce this podcast because this work is aligned with our core focus of amplifying great stories to increase relevance, impact, engagement, and momentum. If you'd like to support us, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash brandinglondon. Your generous support will help us to promote this season into more channels so that more people can hear London's good news stories and it'll help us fund future seasons. To find recaps, videos of some interviews, our Patreon link, or more information about us in this podcast, you can visit ourtraction.com slash podcast. Production assistance for this series was provided by Webisodes. Special thanks to Adam Kaplan for his help with recording the live streams and providing the audio from those interviews. We're also grateful for the technical production support of Michael Dales. Thanks for listening. Like what you hear? Subscribe to the Branding London podcast, like our traction on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you.